before. After. turned out to be completely unreliable assholes. Hello, Tim. Oh, God. Hello, Ryan. You little, f- you little creep. <laughs> and hello, everyone. Welcome Don't to... No, I won't keep me. it up. <laughs> Don't stare at me. I can't take it. Oh! Those are the sounds <laughs> of my eyes lighting up. Uh... Anyways, I won't keep up that voice for talking to you listeners right now. Welcome, welcome, welcome one and all to episode 142 of Dismembering Horror, the podcast true where myself, Ryan McDuffie, and myself, Tim Aslan. Yeah, yeah, exactly. We dismember a horror film for you every week. Every week we talk about what worked for us, what did not work for us, and anything else we found interesting or noteworthy about, you guessed it, a horror film. And we like to uh, dig for buried treasures, and we're all too willing to, uh, to, to move past the muck on top in order to do that. It's all part of the fun. It's all part of the process. We like to do it all within the spirit of just friends getting together, watching horror movies, keeping the glory days alive, all in good fun. We are we do not mean to be any expert or final say. We just like all the conversation that horror movies can spur, the avenues it opens for us, all that good stuff. Right, Tim? Man, you said it. <laughs> Anything else you'd like to say? <laughs> No, never. I have nothing to add. Well, we'll see if we'll get you yet. (laughs) Because, uh, well, we we watched for this week from 1960, Village of the Damned. I swear I had seen this before. I didn't, you know, I didn't think I had, but I'm pretty sure it was so familiar. But, you know, hey, we're we're all old enough now, you know, could have seen something decades ago. It definitely seemed familiar, but my feeling was that it was just that, like, in having watched a lot of, like, documentaries about horror, mm-hmm. or even just sort of, like, lists of great horror or whatever, so, I think I've just seen clips from this. Totally. Have you seen the remake, the John Carpenter remake? No, definitely not. I know of it, but no. Okay. And speaking of horror documentaries, have you watched In Search of Darkness Part 2 yet? Oh, did it did it come out? Yeah, I told you April looked, 26, yeah. Oh, yeah, I must have looked like 2 days before that. <laughs> it's out. I haven't Sweet. watched it yet, but I uh I knew you're excited for it and I am also. Oh, hell yeah, I'll watch that. I'll watch I'll watch that with a with a passion of a thousand uh passionate passion fruits. Great. Me too. My my thought exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so for today, as I said, Village of the Damned, 1960, we like to start off by watching the trailer on our end. On your end, that means watching uh, or listening to a partial trailer. But uh, either way. You can, you can watch it in your mind uh, movies. <laughs> you know, thoughts, mind movies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. All right. Well, Tim, I'm ready for that if you are. How about it? God, you know, I'll tell you what, I am so ready. All right, then, here we go. From 1960, mine and yours. Actually, no, 
Tim, we aren't ready. Let's say the name of the people who made it first. This film Ooh, was yeah. directed by Wolf Rilla. <laughs> I had to okay. see if that was an extra I there. And the screenplay by Sterling Siliphant, Wolf Rilla, and Ronald Kinnock, based on The Midwich Cuckoos, the 1957 novel by John Wyndham. Here it is, the trailer, Village of the Damned. Science fiction has never imagined so strange or terrifying a story as that of the village of Midwich, England, cut off from life as we know it by some mysterious force. And later, at one and the same time, a child was born to every woman in the village. Children that grew to look like this. Beautiful youngsters behind whose fiery, hypnotic eyes lurked the demon forces of another world. They're not human. They ought to be destroyed. Forces put to such sinister use that it became a national emergency. We are gathered here as advisors, as scientists, as government experts. Have we established anything about the origins of these children? There is a possibility of the transmission of energy. Let me get this straight. You imply that these children may be the result of impulses directed towards us from somewhere in the universe. What we need is time to investigate. Are you aware of life on another planet? Wow. I love how, like, all movies of this time, all horror movies of this time, they, like, they, they're always literally saying they're the scariest thing you've ever seen. <laughs> <laughs> like, every horror A movie horror that, came that out, can't yeah. be matched. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> like, yeah, well... Maybe they're they're just on a really good string of hits back then. Anyways, <laughs> um, maybe. <laughs> oh yeah, you wanna you wanna transfer that reticence into your rating for this film, Tim? Would you tell yourself to avoid it, stream it, rent it, or buy it? Um, I would just stream it. It it never quite arrives at like a thing. For me, like it's all it's all kind of in the same like uh, uh, level. It 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 doesn't sort of suddenly take a turn. It's not like um, you know, uh, what's the one with the brains that come that we always uh, talk about? Yeah, yeah, fiend without a face. Fiend without a face. Yeah, I feel like, like that, that will forever just be the best. Like fifty right, sci-fi like that horror film arrives at a thing, right? And suddenly you go, "Whoa!" Like we've 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 transferred into a another level. This just for me just never gets there, even though it's got cool stuff and I like the I like the ideas that are going on in it. But beyond that, I'm like a little underwhelmed. I think it's fine. <laughs> I didn't dislike it at all. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I was never once like, ugh, ever. I just sort of was like, okay, this is a pleasant, easy ride. Well, relatively, that can be pretty high praise, so. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, can't, for me, yeah. <laughs> well, for anyone, for, for movies in general. <laughs> well, I got to give it, I got to give it a, a notch higher at Rent It. Uh, it's fair. Our Our difference in viewing may be that started from an elevated place for me maybe yeah I'll, i i can see mm. i can see why you thought what you thought 
But I just thought the beginning, just as sort of like any great classic Twilight Zone episode or anything like that, it was just so well, it was just so cool, the premise, how it was set up in this visually, you know, really done, well done way. And I thought we just rode that high the whole movie. And it never really faltered. Um, it was just sort of like, this is the start, and now here's the story of what happened afterwards. So, yeah, rent it for old Ryan here, Village of the Damned, 1960. Yeah, that's a good point. It really, to me, it really, really is very close to a, a good, a really good episode of Twilight Zone. An extended good episode <laughs> of Twilight Zone. Yeah, and it's fun. Right in that pocket. It's sort of fun how we have this not too, too far after Night of the Demon, another British-made horror film. Mm-hmm. Anyway, just pointing that out. That's cool. And other, you know, we've had uh, at, uh, at Midnight I'll Take Your Soul, Tenebre, and Angst. So as far as non-American set-made films from before 2000, we've been on a good string. Yeah. Hmm. <laughs> okay. <laughs> hmm. I'm looking at the, our little, our last little run here. Wow. <laughs> Wait, do you have any thoughts on it? I... No, no, I just want people to hear my expression. <laughs> this is me reading. Hmm. Hmm. Ah, hmm. I see. Ah. Great. Oh, okay. Well, Tim, we'd hmm. love to hear you say more than all that in the form of a summary of this film. Oh. The summary of this film is a s- stuffy old dude. <laughs> Picks up, picks up the phone. <laughs> Man, that guy. Um, <laughs> so stuffy. Tim, it's so wonderful to meet you. Welcome into my garden. <laughs> and his, with his ascot. Okay, so <laughs> so we, we're in a little town called um, Mickwitch. Mickwitch? Dude, Mid-witch. they said it only like 348 times. Midwitch. Midwitch. Uh, which is in... England, and you know it's a quaint little village town, and uh, a professor is calling his brother-in-law, who's in the military, wondering when he's coming over, and then he passes out mysteriously, and then we see that everybody in the town has passed out. Which is pretty exciting, um, and the uh, the brother-in-law, the military guy, is like, "Oh, you know, the line went dead. I better go. Maybe I can get off early and go check on them." And when he gets to the threshold of the town line, he's there with a a cop who's on, a bicycle cop who's on his way into, and the bicycle cop crosses the threshold, and he passes out. So now, now we're in business because something has happened and we know that if you go into the town you'll pass out and we don't know what's going on so it's pretty exciting actually that opening 20 minutes i would say are like very mysterious and eerie and like oh creepy but ultimately military gets involved and they just you know people just start they just wake up after i don't know however many hours they were out, quite a few. 
And so then it becomes a story about like, well, what the hell was that all about? And then twist a bunch of women, any of the women in town who could get pregnant are all pregnant at the same time, which is very strange. (laughs) And, you know, husbands and parents are miffed by this because a lot of them were like, I don't remember us getting it on at all. Who'd you sleep with? Hint, it's an alien. Maybe. Um, (laughs) So (laughs) do you like the summary so far? I feel like we're taking a real ride here. Um, So all the women have their kids and all the kids that they have, um, there's all sorts of fun stuff. Let's see. What's one? They develop faster in the – uh, in embryo develops faster and outside embryo that's right they grow faster once they're born than normal humans they they're- all have platinum blonde hair small fingernails and arresting eyes they're psychically linked aryan children to each other right who yeah. uh show no to little emotion or feelings mm-hmm. and like to all dress the same and have a power to glow their eyes and take and sort of force people to do things against their will. We yeah, gather that's like the signal of their telepathy. Yes, we gather they have uh, some sort of ultimate plan that involves them leasing, leaving town and that they are going their powers are only going to get stronger as they age. Ooh, we also and, learned that there were multiple events across the globe of these you know of of towns falling asleep and waking up with the women pregnant but most of those towns just killed everybody indeed and the military personnel people crowd they're uh debating in the classic military way <laughs> sort yeah. of the 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 science minded versus the militaristic minded do we understand but at what cost do we dis- you know should we destroy and then um that it becomes a, a mental feat in order to defeat them in the end. And we never really quite gather what they are, which is cool. Yeah. Yeah, but we we do gather that there is a malevolence to them. Like they, they're up to no good. Well and but but, but, but well but, let's just say that the the conclusion by the people involved is that they're up to no good. We don't actually know. Well, as humans, we? as as humans as we are, they certainly make us feel uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah, that's for sure. And whether that's uh, uh, denotes evil or malintent in a greater sense, who are we to say? But we will try to say because we got a lot more to talk about. Are you ready to do just that, Tim? Oh man, yeah. All right, yeah, I think so. Then here we go. Our first big section. What? Worked. What worked? What worked for you? What worked for you? It worked like a charm, Smith. What worked? What worked for you? I mean, I guess since I already mentioned it, I will say the opening again, both as a setup to the premise, but of just like, whoa, okay, this weird occurrence happens. Everyone passes out simultaneously just in this small town. 
but just how it how it was filmically done i just thought all the touches were so well whether it was like the roaming camera yeah. within each house where it was and like one of them had you know the the old crank up victrola that was then sort of winding down as they were yeah. passed out um it yeah just set, set up i don't know just thought it was a great great setup and just really had me hooked for the rest of the movie did you like it when the jib arm of the crane shot like pulling away from town um ha- has to like brush past a tree branch and the tree branch like flings back into frame <laughs> no i didn't notice that but i <laughs> that cracked me up it's a really funny little just a little moment it's <laughs> i was like Look out for the tree branch. <laughs> Fun. Well, <laughs> anything else you'd like to add as far as that opening? Oh that man, for you? you know it's cool. It it is. It's so Twilight Zoney. I love it. It's just very like seeing how everybody drops mid event, right? Like the lady ironing, which was very concerning to me. I must say, the idea of an iron just sitting on the ironing board. I was like, that house is going to burn down, but it didn't. Thank goodness. Um, Yeah, there's just something really cool and, like, unsettling about that. And I agree. The the camera work, uh, other than hitting the tree branch, the camera work is really cool and floaty and eerie. And it's just – it's good. Yeah, I think a fun – a fun device always or as a setup for any sort of sci-fi horror thing is just a sudden like deviation from the norm Mm, mm -hmm. you know and something that's on such a scale it's great because there's no denying it you don't have to go through that whole process of sort of questioning some people proving to the world you know it's it's there's a lot of similarities to invasion of the body snatchers in this film mm-hmm. i'd say actually overall it's kind of like a rosemary's baby meets, meets invasion of the body snatchers <laughs> sure um, but it's different <laughs> enough in a lot of ways and one of them is uh the um yeah, like what I just said, part of Invasion of the Body Snatchers is that ongoing paranoia of trying to convince everyone. In this, it's just the horror of this is already at the inexplicable part. And these stories so often lend themselves to, and you got to love it, especially when it's you know a 1950s era type film where the military is immediately involved since it is so well known. So it's this fun immediate conflict of sort of what we're supposed to look at as the sort of utmost authority on on human knowledge and and you know our, our scientific knowledge and understanding of the world and the uh the, the the might i guess to back it up the force to back it up so uh immediately it's just like stakes are there stakes are raised it's cool yeah there's a lot of thematic stuff too that i i think is is fun and and exciting to try and kind of parse out dude there's so much in here and i have it all down that i picked up on so if you're ready for that boy well i'm curious to see sort of what different what your take is and what different takes may have been because i feel like you could there's sort of this broad uh it allows for pretty broad interpretation i think potentially which i think is really good like that's a good thing thing to have in sci-fi in particular i was like like, yeah 
more questions than answers kind of thing. I like to think of it as a broad delving, like interpretation or exploration, because interpretation almost has the suggestion that you can come up with an answer uh-huh. but or explanation. But just as a, you know, we always talk about this in regards to theme, but it's simply as a question to explore. Yeah, that's what yeah. we want from sci-fi and horror, which is this. Totally. Of. Well, I mean, the, um, there's the one I already mentioned as far as like on the within the military people. And of course, you have that great round table scene as often has them mm-hmm. where it's like, everyone tell us your takes on this. And you have <laughs> the one who's like, destroy it. And then the other one who's usually the protagonist. Now, we can't forego this opportunity to understand, you know. So I'd say that that. I feel like there's better ways to put it, but that conflict of like understanding it or destroying it. There is. There's the term for this. It's it's hard force versus soft force. Wait, is that right? I know it's it's hard force is one. <laughs> I don't know that's, if, if you have to use those not too common terms, if that's necessarily a, uh, a, a better encapsulation they, of the theme. They are common in the military. Okay, so then, it, okay. Is what I mean. Got it. Um well, right? what well, did you think of that? Sorry, hard power versus soft power. And, and what did you think of hard power versus soft power in this film? Well, it's an it's so overall the movie kind of is has an interesting take on this, right? It it in the in a way, I mean, broadly speaking, in a way, the protagonist is advocating for soft power, for understanding, you know, diplomacy. Like, let's figure it out. Give us time. And that ultimately fails. So in a way, the movie is kind of advocating ultimately for hard power. For destruction. No, it's it's really interesting how, yeah, usually it's a sort of a, a film like this plays out where our protagonist is clearly in the right for going with these, it's so weird, the soft power approach. Um <laughs> But no, yeah, that's what's so interesting about this one. In the end, he's convinced enough, you know, after the guy shoots himself, after the children seem more and more threatening to have this ultimate plan. He's like, oh, these, we gotta, we gotta do something to stop these kid critters, even though David, I, uh, you know, identify with as a son. Yeah. God, there's a lot. Um, I don't want to go on too many tangents. So, so yeah, so... I mean, anything else on that theme? And how yeah, I'm okay. trying to think. I, I, it's, God, it's interesting because it, it, it's like it kind of comments on it, but kind of is just not really taking a stance. Here's okay. Here's an and interesting like that. thing, though. How he, I guess, to kind of jump ahead to the ending, which I loved too. So he. He it basically becomes uh, since these these guys little kids read your mind it becomes a contest of mental fortitude in order to defeat them in order mm-hmm. for them to not in order for to not let the kids into his mind that he's going to blow them up with a bomb he just pictures a brick wall I would say I don't I mean <laughs> those those definitions are weird I've never heard of them but the kind of approach the scientific approach he's he's for you know of sort of soft powering first understanding first (laughs) i'd say has an association with the idea of a mental approach versus a forceful physical one in order Mm -hmm. to defeat 
or in order to to overcome or protect yourself, whatever it is. So it doesn't feel like he totally has to go back on his philosophy, but rather use an aspect of it in order to defeat them at the end. Right. And I think that to me, it feels very much like this is kind of commentary on, you know, this is very common in this era of sci-fi, right? It's, Mm -hmm. It's sort of... It's pointing out the the other ideas of mind control manipulation and like that as a threat and attack from you know that that like an idea even or or yeah an idea can be just as bad as an actual attack you know that once they get in your head you know you commies, you <laughs> yeah. better look out, right? And and so that that kind of stuff, it's kind of in that same vein. And like, how do we combat that? Like, you got to be smarter and sneakier. And in his case, it's like he's tricking them well, with his intellect, but also using, you know, he's going to blow them up. So it's like he's kind of doing both. Their ways, their sort of emotionless way of being too, it also suggests a kind of, binary robotic you know hive mind yeah. kind of outlook i don't know if hive mind i mean it's right there maybe in the borg sense or whatever but right, I, right. I keep thinking about the quote the little kid says if you didn't su-, you know the david talking to our hero the father if you didn't suffer from emotions from feelings you'd be as powerful as us so like clearly mm, these mm-hmm. <laughs> these kids these alien kids whatever they are they're uh well they have a pretty so- strong stance Well, and there's also this thing of like he, you know, David says, look, just find, just disperse us around the world and let us be and we'll, and we'll be fine. Like there will be no issue. And it's like, he, they don't believe, they don't buy that. But, but it's, this is a really interesting philosophical thing, right? It's sort of like, don't poke the bear. Right? The bear a bear is not an actual threat to anybody. I mean, it's a threat to its prey. But like that's a sort of natural order of things, right? Like we don't get mad that the bear eats salmon. You know what I mean? We we get mad that we invade the bear's territory and then the bear goes after us. Yeah, well then it's like but then we blame the bear. Well, that's that that's a good distinguishment because bears are part of our world and ecosystem. Here, it's like they're truly alien, which is is a fun too. Like I don't know if you've up on all the recent Godzilla films. I love them all and have been re watching them with Godzilla versus Kong coming out. But in oh, those, did, yeah, I've and them. and in the original Godzillas too, Mega Godzilla or sorry, no Mega, um, sorry, not even Mega, just King Ghidorah, the three headed mm-hmm. flying dragon. Uh, represents like this is an alien force coming in and we have the idea that all the other kaiju the monsters back on earth are a part of a natural order when left alone and i was gonna say something more about this movie but i forgot it (laughs) (laughs) oh well i think you're saying sort of this natural ecosystem idea right it's like you know things are not a threat until we mess with them but then we blame them and it, that's that's stupid that's backwards like well, we or it's just naive yeah right? like it's 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 
it's egotistical and saying like, well, I should be able to to do whatever and be go wherever I want without reproach from the natural order of things. Like to me, that's a really interesting commentary. But like what you're what this movie, I guess, is adding to it, what you're saying is like, how far does the natural order extend in into the universe? Right. Yeah. Like, right. Like. They're in this in this sense, they are invading us. It is an invasion story. So we're the bear. They're poking us. But they're almost in a weird way trying to convince us the way that humans often convince themselves that the bear is the problem. The the brood, these kids, are doing that to us. They're right. like, hey, 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 we're not like don't attack us. Like you guys are just simple creatures. You're, you, you just need to leave us be. Let us do our thing. Right. It's as if sort of the scope of the natural order. It's like we can think of invasive species here in terms of like something heading to an island or whatever. Uh, but but then yeah no it's, it's yeah exactly like you said. Can we zoom out and say these these uh, aliens or whatever coming here are a part of a universal natural order of some kind in arriving at earth. Right. Um, but I think so 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 I guess what I'm kind of we're we're getting to is this idea that was really scary then of and I guess still is to for some people is the idea of this invader, right? Like whether whether or not it's metaphorical as an idea like an an, an idea can invade your your mind. Or a physical, actual entity that invades your reality or space. Either way, that is scary and how we we debate as humans how to – what the right way to deal with that kind of thing is. I mean it's like so many science fiction movies – talk about this like do you shoot first and ask questions later? Well, it, it's it's cool how his approach to defeat them in the end – uses you know he does so with sort of these these uh, an approach that we do agree with that he's defending all along the non-forceful approach in a way and it's i don't know if it's ironic or not but he uses one of their own powers against them as far as like he's if if they're all about being able to sort of read your minds and know how you're feeling at any given moment he's he's that's how can I put this? Like, that's that's what he's doing back to them at the end. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. He's mm-hmm. using his own powers of of mind thinking and intuition uh, right back at them. I mean, from a really, really basic sort of storytelling point of view, they are just doing like your standard uh thesis antithesis and synthesis sort of setup right the thesis is the world they live in that gets invaded the antithesis of that is the the whole second act which is like the upside down world all like all that comes along with this invasion um as well as the debate over like should what kind of approach do we take when dealing with this invasion that that's the whole you know thesis versus antithesis sort of debate softer or hard power kind of and in the synthesis of that he realizes that it's both like you need to use both to defeat this thing right which 
is cool because then I think there's an example of we look at these alien children or whatever they are as, you know, okay, they are on the clear end of the spectrum, this one end of the spectrum of what you were just describing. Yet uh, there's a moment at the end that reveals in on some level, are they just as susceptible and motivated by their own emotions and feelings, even though they sort hmm. of base their identity on no emotions and feelings. This is from the Wikipedia describes a moment at the end. David scans his mind, you know, the our hero, what's his name? Gordon Zellaby <laughs> scans his mind, showing an emotion, astonishment for the first time. And that they're actually then are kind of like freaking out in the moment right before, uh, they guess exploded. So they're so they don't show an indifference to not being able to achieve their plan. They aren't like, oh, we are about to explode now. You know, they're upset right. that they aren't getting to achieve this thing. So I don't know. It's really interesting that by the end we aren't because they're so goal focused. It's not like they're these totally indifferent or, or yeah, unemotional beings. They they've got some underlying motivation, but. Maybe it's just more that it's more like, I don't know, I don't know, an, an insect one, a, a not questioning one. It still lacks empathy. Do they have empathy for each other, even though they're all one unit? Uh, it gets in a lot of interesting well, but questions. They, they, they have survival instinct for sure. Yeah. But they're – it's really interesting because it's like where are we going with them? Like let's just say that they – got to grow up. What does that look like? Right. Well, and like, like kids, you know, if we just, cause they are kids, right? Like we're, because of their peculiarness, we're kind of like classifying them as different than kids. Well, that, but like, yeah, developmentally, they're still just in the early phase of, of development, presumably. It's, so what does that say about us or the characters in this movie, how they deal with them right like right maybe they're just dumb kids who don't know how to do a lot of things yet because they haven't learned and humans are like the wrong people to be teaching them anything because they don't understand them well that's why so it's yeah. almost like you could get into this nature versus nurture question now or i'd say like there's a lot of weird shit going on like but like i was saying intuition versus kind of observable facts like when i was saying gordon uses intuition at the end and to to win what i meant by that is he's willing to trust his own instincts that mm -hmm. oh if these kids do get out there into the world it means bad business for the human race well and i think one of the big moments of the movie and one of my favorite moments probably is it sells that you know <laughs> it sells our our reasoning to have that intuition when they when they make a guy shoot himself in the head with a shotgun <laughs> yeah <laughs> but like we get how it's a a threat that guy was they know that he was threatening to kill them and he wanted to kill right them. so are that's kind of my point like they're reactive they're not they they don't go out of their way to to hurt anybody. They're purely operating on a survival basis. Yeah, in like that in all of these instances. Yeah, just like invasion of the body snatchers. Right, and so are we supposed to condemn them for that? I mean, as humans, yeah, <laughs> they're they're against us on some level, but they aren't. They're against. They're against 
a th- anything that threatens their existence. Okay, you know, you know, you're right again. That, but that's it's looking on it observably. Like we know, I don't know. It's it's like it's on the level of intuition. We do feel that they are here as a threat somehow, and so it becomes a question of trusting that or not. But that's my point. Is yeah. that's why I think this movie is cool. Is that I it that is not actually what's going on. We we are under the impression that they're a threat because their response to the necessity for survival is all the way to just kill the person who's a threat, right? But if you take the morality of uh, like of, of we're like, well, that's too much. That's too much of a response out of it. They're just operating on a really simple like, don't threaten me and you won't get hurt. No, but I'm talking about on the level of when these kids are born, the way they look and make me feel and make eye contact with me scares me. Like as but if that's, but that's my point is that it's it it it's it's hitting a part of your brain that say it says they're a threat, but they're not actually a threat unless you threaten them. Right. Right. But, Which is but, uh, fascinating because humans are notorious for for overreacting when something that they don't know or understand comes into their, you know, realm. Well, and that we're also notorious for basing our life on perceived or the possibility of a threat. Yeah. And that's where... Just- that's oh, where, sorry, th- but that's what I'm talking about too, as far as the intuition. Like when I said, yeah, they, they make us feel wrong, they make us feel with a threat. That may be true. That's the whole thing of them being children right now. Like we know mm-hmm. they aren't immediately threatened now, but the whole time we keep getting the sense that they do have some sort of greater plan. We're only going to grow more powerful. It's, it's like, why is it so important for them to, to, uh, they have some sort of goal they're trying to achieve. So I get like, I'd say, yeah, the perceived threat thing I was talking about wasn't so much an, an immediate thing, but just a, a, a more down the line thing, you know? Don't get me wrong. I, I, I think all children are a threat. <laughs> they personally. are here to take us over, right? <laughs> right. But I just find this whole thing so fascinating because like when you strip away our uh, uh what would you call it is it our emotional in i don't know what you would call it in actually but like it's conditioning so we're we're having this conditioned response to these kids because they're different and they're and it's weird like where they come from the mystery of it is triggering a part of our brains that's that instead of which the professor guy kind of tries to do, he's like, well, maybe we should give them a chance. Like, let's figure it out. Um, but the the instinct that the response that we're having is is so strong of like, oh, that's weird and different, and I'm I'm afraid of that thing. So therefore, I should be you know, on the, at least on the defense. Well, that's what I, against it. I love so much about, you know, you mentioned in the summary, these, that there are these other instances of on the same day where these children cropped up, there was the same, Mm. um, uh, uh, birth, uh, um, 
immaculate conception or whatever you want to <laughs> yeah. call it. But just that like, okay, it, it just gives a different perspective on, okay, there's what, whatever this town did of letting them live, it's immediately put into question if they did do the right thing or not. Because you have like, I like specifically the example when they say in some um, Inuit culture, they immediately were like, uh-uh, <laughs> we're, we're getting right, rid of these. Right, because they can't, yeah, yeah, yeah. But they, they literally say, like, you can't have blonde these blonde babies from dark-haired, <laughs> you know, women. Right. Which is like, hmm. But, y- you know, though, but I mean, it, I'm sure, you know, they're, <laughs> we imagine their culture not being like, ah, because they did X, we are going to destroy, you know, it's, they, we, we do have the sense you know, that maybe they uh, just, the, again, the, that they're more in trust with their intuition in a way, and that is a more powerful thing than this sort of like, well, don't shoot first before asking. Maybe, you know, because you can imagine like a situation where, you know, imagine this British scientist, our, our hero Gordon, goes up to an alien planet and like, calmly approaches an alien bear you know pokes an alien bear by trying to be calm around it versus like then his inuit a space explorer buddy is like no 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 no. we got to get you know knows (laughs) just is willing to trust their intuition yes i get what you're saying and i think i'm kind of playing a bit of devil's advocate with this notion because it feels like the movie Maybe the movie's not saying that, but we're kind of getting this sense that it's somehow binary. That it's, you can either operate on instinct or you can operate on, like, curious intellect. And that, neither one of those are the answer. And the movie tells us that neither one of them is the answer. But I also just, it's so, it's such a good framework to start looking into that, you know, reality in in humans because like we're constantly doing that right like we're constantly balancing between you know the the more ancient part of our brains like i think it's like the amygdala and the you know whatever the other one is and you know our intellectual brains that are kind of like problem solving and looking and and trying to sort of assess risk uh from a a different less instinctual standpoint, a more intellectual standpoint. And like, that's kind of what you do. Like, that's what we are doing all the time. But I would personally argue that more of the issues in the world (laughs) come from people listening too much or who are too prone to this, let's call it the caveman brain, leading the charge now does that mean that if you go you it that that does not mean that a better solution is to completely ignore that part of your brain and only go from a you know intellectual standpoint soft power standpoint no definitely not but there is a balance that has allowed us as humans to evolve and like survive but also fault we we are constantly taking two steps forward and one step back right right i guess and i think that that whole thing is so is so fascinating and that's what you're kind of or at least what i'm kind of being left with with this 1960 (laughs) horror film 
science fiction horror film. I guess the one thing I'll challenge you on there is it feels like the way you put that, you're grouping either, you know, uh, uh, a sort of a f- like f- fear-based, illogical uh, feelings and assumptions with the idea of intuition. And it's just kind of like when we are, and I think that's where the horror lies for me. Because, I mean, it's kind of like, I think I was talking about filmmaking with you or, or someone else and saying, like, I feel like it all really comes down to whether something's, you know, a right decision or not, or the, the biggest job of the director is learning to trust and distinguish between intuition and a more just kind of like, uh, you know, oh, I just want this because, or, or whatever, you know, whatever decision that's not based, that ends up not being the quote unquote correct decision. Well, what I'm saying is, yeah, not to conflate intuition with instinct. Right. And yeah, exactly. That's a good way to put it. What I say, yeah, and I think exactly because yeah. instinct is I you know, I would define it at least and somebody way smarter than me could tell me otherwise. But, you know, if you're if you're coming from a place that is only listening to you know, your amygdala which is sort of this fight or flight processor <laughs> in your brain. That's 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 more instinct. Intuition, I think, is more a combination and and you know, to the to this point, a combination of your ability to be in touch with your instincts, but also have enough of an intellect. There are a lot of these are a lot of I words, guys really sorry if I mess it up. So your intuition, I think, would be a con uh, a combination of your instinct and your intellect. Yeah. And this movie is kind of revolving around the balance of those three things. Right. It's a real... And ultimately, yeah. they... They just blow they well, he blows himself up too, <laughs> which is cool. Um, so I don't I don't I didn't leave this movie thinking to myself that was the right decision. I just left it being like, well, that's a decision. You know, and we can I like that it's like we don't really I don't know. It's a real double edged coin. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> um I guess uh, also I just want, if we were kind of on the ending, and there's plenty of other theme to discuss too that I thought was working, but just while we're on the ending, I thought it was so suspenseful and fun just in that sense of (laughs) can he commit to this mind exercise, this like meditation exercise almost of just picturing a brick wall. It's kind of like the the Ghostbusters dilemma of don't picture anything you're afraid that it could use against you. So he picked, what did you do, he can't Ray? not picture something. So he pictures Stay Puffed Marshmallow Man. And, <laughs> and you think too, and you kind of, you know, it's, it's coming when it happens. Uh, and you're kind of, well, you know, there's not, so what is he, it, it doesn't sound very active for a, a film ending, right? Not very visual. But then it was so cool because then the movie reminds mm-hmm. you, no, with, you can do anything though to, sh- to, to uh, outwardly show 
what's go with which what's happening you know the the conflict that's happening to f- filmically show it so it's just fun like as far as the intense music the close ups the superimpositions the like h- him yeah. internally thinking they do find a way to externalize that's the word I was looking for externalize what he's doing uh, by I really like yeah I really like just the the way that that's constructed visually in the moment is in that it's super simple right but He's, you know, he's sitting there and we're watching him sweat <laughs> and, and like try to focus on the brick wall. And then we get his face and the brick wall, uh, you know, sort of superimposed on each other. And then we get a third layer, which is the clock on the bomb. Or is it – I was wondering, was there another clock that it like – yeah, there was the clock that was just, I think there was one just hanging on the wall, sort of as yes. a reference to the time, yeah. Yeah, so they, yeah, that seems right. So the so it it's like we get these layers of visuals stacked on top of each other, and they fade toward the final layer, which is the bomb clock. And that effect is is really, really cool and, and effective in... As as we reveal visually the the final image, that's the realization. That's the you know the kids then are seeing that, and I just think it's really cool. It's like just a simple simple way to do it. But yeah. like as it comes into view, we go, oh, oh no 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 no! Get, don't don't show that. It, it's <laughs> it's funny as far as just playing off our instinctual side of blah. They're the enemy. Get them, you know, and let's outsmart these these guys. Um, it's it's so it's it's like there's something satisfying in that sense of the moment right before the bomb goes off and the kids realize what's happening if they don't have time to escape that mm-hmm. even if they aren't human they are still uh bound by our physical world enough that you can blow them up and that they can't run away from this in the 2 seconds they're given well but then they Ryan. do. But that's but so great Ryan, too because their do, eyes do float they, away. Don't they? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Did you like a uh, shout out to where you rented the Blu-ray copy from Videotech? Uh, they, <laughs> do you, they, I love it when they, um, they'll write on the, the, you know, their customized shells of the, of their discs, you know, usually the, the same font as the, the movie poster. They drew a little picture of like the floating eyes next to the yep. title. <laughs> so good and yeah then there are they i don't know it's fun i I, it's so good it's such a cool fun effect and just like oh where are they off to next were they really defeated and it's just one of those things too where it like it's it's not quite enough to make us go oh they're just aliens they're but if they're Mm -hmm. they're just some kind of force beyond our understanding is is what it I don't know what kind of does. They're just floating eyes, floating consciousnesses. Right. Yeah, it's cool. <laughs> it is. It's cool for what the time, the time in particular. Yeah. I mean, it's such a like right in that, um, what was it called? The sort of red scare kind of era. Yeah. Is that the right term? Yeah. Well, I think it's interesting because this sort of bridges Go, you know, expand on an, another theme, go bring up another theme topic here. It bridges the Red Scare, but also our coming up, coming off of World War II sphere of 
the Aryan race, you could say. Totally. 100%. (laughs) I kept thinking to myself, I was like, what is, what, you know, obviously them being, looking the way they do is, is commenting on that. But I was like, but what is the aim of that commentary? Like, I, I find it fascinatingly unclear. I feel like in all cultures, generally, you know, blonde hair, bright eye, it's, it's, uh, they're, they're, it's, it's a less common trait. Sure. So maybe yeah. it's sort of rooted in that. We wouldn't want to pick, of course, like a, a race other than white people. <laughs> you know, there's something unnerving about the fact that they're mm-hmm. this, this just a, a force of little white children. I don't know. <laughs> well, I mean, let's just as a as an exercise, imagine that this movie was made today and it was a, you know, a town of, of white people and the and the women all get pregnant but all the babies are non-white like the comment like to me that's like whoa the 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 deep layers of commentary that you can pull out of that oh it makes me want to see the jordan peele remake for sure right yeah exactly or or even vice versa even more which would be even more kind of breaking breaking these norms and molds is having (laughs) I'd love the Jordan Peele to do it where it's a black family or black, you know, black town and all of the babies they have are, are, are white Aryan blonde <laughs> yeah. kids. Like that is truly terrifying. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm so excited. Whatever his next movie is. Yeah. It's on a good string. And we, you, you bet but, we'll review it here. But what do you think? Like I kind of, I still am not really sure what my takeaway of the, I guess on a simple level, it's this sort of notion of like it's like eugenics, right? It's this, this notion of a, a master race or a perfect perfect being, you know, that there is such a thing that they're heightened in every way. They develop faster. They're perfect, like all that bullshit. And I, it feels it feels appropriate for the time of this movie and when the book was only a few years written, a few years before the movie. Um, to be commenting on that, at least posing this sort of broad setup of of these are the players in this story, mm-hmm. which I like. I don't I don't need it to be heavy handed. Like I I think that's probably the thing I like the most about the movie is that there is a very I think critical lack of heavy handedness in it. Yeah, which is cool. Right, they're just strong elements that are there. Yeah. That give us a pun. Yeah, I didn't feel like it was like hammering at some sort of notion about this. It's just sort of like sprinkling it all all over the place and letting you pluck out what what is meaningful to you to you. Right. So there's also the angle. This definitely overlaps with what we're already talking about of the you know destroy it versus study it. Mm. But from the Rosemary's bang Rosemary's baby angle, there is also the do we nurture it or be afraid mm-hmm. of it from that angle too of oh you know it's my <laughs> I still gave birth to this this baby though and it's interesting to see then the women have their own reactions of well it's a baby I'm going to take care of it it's my baby versus I I want it killed you know just scared immediately and always scared of it I mean and man that's deep like that is a deeply like problematic and troubling sort of thing in human history of you know 
having offspring that don't match with the norms that you're comfortable with. Mm-hmm. Like what if you have a kid that's deformed? What if you had a, a kid that has a disability? Uh, any of the above, right? And historically speaking, I don't think humans have been particularly great about like, you know, accepting kids or babies that are that are not quote unquote normal, don't fit into this idea of what a, a baby should be. And that's a whole another just really interesting realm to explore. Well, it's I could look at it too, and this is really exemplified in the ending of Rosemary's Baby. Think of how you know the I think the great horror endings they sort of bring up these kind of you know paradoxical truths that we're always bringing up that horror best exemplifies because kind of like what you're saying, you know, there are these two extremes and of approach that are being wrestled with here and outlook or whatever it, it what's what's so creepy about yeah this like this this conflict of taking care of this this these children or not is it both of the extremes on either end are scary where the thought of like the pure nurturing this thing that we whether it's intuition or instinct feel afraid of or threatened by like that's scary to imagine a mother just totally loving and embracing one of these children as if it is entirely normal. But then it's also just as scary to think of, you know, when when the mothers are so quick to just want to kill their own child they gave birth to. Both are <laughs> both have their own set of fears. I I feel them both, but I could see someone latching more onto one than the other. It's really interesting. Yeah, personally, I don't the first one doesn't seem scary to me. To purely nurture one of these kids, yeah. But I mean, but you can imagine Tim, it, like it's uh, da- it seems dangerous, but it doesn't seem scary, right? But imagine, like, if you know this, the guy who's get shot in the chin with a shotgun, like, imagine he had his own whole side of a movie where, like, somehow that's because his wife, uh, you know, purely nurtured and loved a child. You know, it's it's so that yeah. I think this would be a very interesting – like you could tell this story really, really interestingly if you uh, if you shrink it to just one family, which actually, you know, we, the, we there are movies like this that explore that. Um, that movie Orphan. I haven't seen is, it actually. I put it – Oh, man. I put it in our hat yeah, yeah. just to finally see it that way. Oh, you way. did? Oh, great. No, it's great. It, it really does explore that thing. Um. The movie The Bad Seed explores. I like that. It, right? I also put in a Joshua, which was a lesser seen one from like the two thousands about an I evil can't kid. Remember if I saw I Joshua, with, like, but I Sam know Rockwell was in about. it anyway. I think I saw it. Let's see. Anyway, what were you saying on all that? Well, I guess I'm just saying that we've horror films have explored this. And it's it's, you know, it's I think a cool realm to explore that's it (laughs) indeed this film does just that um so the last kind of like theme thing i had down that popped out to me i'd be curious if you had any more was of course we already kind of touched on it but the the more invasion of the body snatchers angle of a hive mind (laughs) uh specifically being exemplified by children and sort of their comparison to regular 
children, which is really fun. We get, uh, I love that scene where it's like, of course, the regular school kids, they can't help but throw a ball at them. And, <laughs> and like, yeah, it just, you know, there's, but, but it's the way too that I think, you know, when we see, I love that scene where it's the shop owner woman and the kids go into her store and the kids, you know, David's like, you're afraid of us. We can tell you don't want us to shop here anymore, <laughs> you know, and she's just trying to, oh, I, I don't know what you're talking. You know, so obviously we can easily intuit uh, her fear just as well as they can. But I guess the interesting thing I see going on there is when you look at I don't know if this is all horror movies on some level. This is this this is a take on horror in general, but that on some level, all horror is a fear of ourselves, the darker sides of ourselves, um, but not even the darker sides of ourselves, just aspects of ourselves. Because I think children are exemplary, and we've talked about this in other other episodes. It's come up the idea that children are are closer to some sort of unfiltered, pure. Uh, in this case, instinctual uh, or intuitive. Maybe you could say they are in more in touch with their intuition in the positive sense and willing to trust that more. And then over time, as we become adults, sort of that's squashed out of mm -hmm. us, however you'd say. So the idea of kids being born into the world with that already being gone uh, you know, it's. I think. I think that's where I. That's where I'm coming from. That kind of fear of self angle. They're like the fear of the ad adult in us that's killed off the the child that's forgotten that, how to be a kid. I like that. That is, yeah. It's like you're like, hey, can't you just be a kid? Like it's okay to be a kid. Just be a kid. Don't do this other thing because that other thing's really upsetting. <laughs> yeah, even in that scene I mentioned, like the little girl stopping the David or whoever gets hit with the head in the head by the ball, that seems like a very adult response to a situation. Like you almost want to see a kid just kind of like, you know, snap back and throw the ball back or whatever it is, act on that level. <laughs> well, and it's interesting. They A few of them start to, and David says, don't do that. Right, right, right. Exactly. Which is also kind of like, yeah, there's, there's a little bit of, contradiction in their what what they're sort of saying how they operate and and the reality of how they operate and i i i like that because it should be messy right like it, it would it's creepier to have it be messy yeah they like yeah they can't just be robots they can't just be like you know i mean that'd be a different movie but yeah, it's I, I, all of this stuff. I think is cool. It it does also make me think about, especially that scene. Is no different than you know. It's no different than like a, a scene of of. Let's say you know a, a a group of of black kids going to a park that is in a neighborhood that's predominantly white. And the white kids being like, hey, you don't belong here. Like, get out of here, freaking out over it. And so I think there's a, the interesting kind of layers of, of commentary or at least you can pull out some commentary on that whole thing of like, yo, just because somebody is different than you, <laughs> you, you don't have to freak out. Right. Like, 
calm down. <laughs> Stop jumping to this conclusion that because they're different, they're evil, a threat, whatever. Now, in this movie, they're making it murky because they're doing the, – the kids are actually doing things that are a problem, like they're hurting people. But that even in and of itself that the movie frames the other as a threat I think is kind of – is is commentary on this idea. Like so many non-white European people are framed as the other and like suffer at the hands of these bullshit notions of of what quote-unquote normal is. And like I sympathize a little bit with these kids, actually a lot with these kids in a certain way because of my feelings about that construct, right? I I don't identify with the townspeople being like, oh my God, oh my God, what? Like they're different. They're weird. They're it, like the circumstances were weird and let's just, let's just kill them all. Like I don't identify with right. that personally. But you, I... It, what's interesting about it, though, is how it's it's not just an invasion of the body snatchers where they're outsiders. You can get how even if there'd be more people in the town who maybe would take your approach there if they were just outsiders. But what's so why I think, you know, more people are afraid of them than not is they, they came from an immaculate birth. You know, it's not as simple as sure. just their others. Like that's very invasive. The thought that this this thing that could or could not be bad gave i gave you know came through me <laughs> i told i totally agree but what i think i'm saying is that that invade that notion of invasiveness that this movie has is just an extension of the notion of invas- invasiveness that many people have all it takes is one black family to move into a quote-unquote n- white neighborhood, and that white neighborhood flips out and says, "Well, oh, well, our, our, you know, our whole world is being invaded. It's like, calm down. No, it's not, right? So to me, this it's smart for the movie to do, that, do it this way, to create – or the book, to create this idea of making it this, this – <laughs> conception whatever you want to call it this mass conception to to frame it as something that feels very invasive is still just saying the same thing right like just because it feels invasive to you doesn't mean that it's it's inherently bad yep (laughs) right right like it just doesn't now but or is it is the thing it's that's that's in this case yeah in this case Maybe it is. We don't know. The, the The gray area of the movie, I think, is what makes the movie work. But I think all these things, these layers of commentary exist within it, which is cool. And it should, right? Like that's what we want in, in horror. Right. We want that part of our brain to be like, whoa, I, I don't know. What do I – how do I feel about this? <laughs> like am I scared? I'm kind of scared, but should I be scared? Am I a bad person? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, like if you can get that percolating when you walk out of the theater, y- you, you've done a good job making a movie. Well, that's why I tell myself to rent it. One of the reasons. Yeah. Uh, I'd also, um, you know, and I, I brought up earlier, or I guess the last thing I was saying as far as uh, 
getting at a fear of ourselves. So I, I kind of, you know, mm. explained the one that was based on around the idea of the, the children in this. But there's also then specifically the the hive mind element that I thought was more prescient now than when this movie was made of the fear of a sort of collective hive mind hmm. um, being the our deciding factor in what to do and ultimate democracy or whatever, where I think that's just something we're more and more grappling with, not just in a sense of privacy, but in trusting others, yada, yada, yada. I think like, you know, the internet has, it's, we are now a hive mind. You know, what is a truth can easily mm. rise to the top as far as morally. What is a, a fear-based assumption can raise to the top. And then you just have things sort of coming into extremes. We don't know what to trust anymore. But I think, you know, it all does come down to like, we a certain level do have to trust like if we did have a functioning hive mind democratic vision that you know it it following that would ideally be the best in the end but kind of like what you're know, bringing up the is it a or is it b is it this or is that it's both in this case blah 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 but you know it's just that makes it all uh difficult to kind of step into fully and trustworthy when we've only been you know as humans based our world on uh, a lack of trust or a, an assumption that yeah. we can't trust in order to survive, which is how we've gotten as far as we have. But now I feel like this is the sort of, I guess, evolutionary, you know, uh, one of the ways, uh, uh, points we're at that sort of can be exemplified with this acceptance of, uh, of uh, we're a hive mind now. And I mean, and then it gets so tricky because it's complicated by, oh, the the companies that enable that hive mind, the technology itself are, you know, deeply uh, um, dysfunctional, non-functional, functional in the Facebooks, the Googles and sort of, you mm -hmm. know, the profit motivated and whom they were made by, you know, all that stuff. So, uh, but we can see where, I don't know. And then, and then I don't know, there, there's so much going on with that too. Like, I don't know if this is directly connected, but as far as the hive mind stuff, like I always will get into debates with people about uh, how you look out on the road and all cars are white, black, or a shade of gray, or like, and then some are a very dull color, and then very few and far between, you have a brightly colored car. And you have people go like, yeah, well, it's because statistically, uh, you know, this car is, I, I want to, but then it's like, but I don't know that that's weird to me too. Like on a certain level, so you're even if you did want like a a bright yellow car or whatever as as something that you would enjoy more in life, like you know, at it, it's just sort of you know I don't know. It's 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 an easier n not big example. It only comes down to a parking ticket or whatever I'm getting pulled over. But anyway, I don't know. I don't know. Just hive mind, man. It, it, it offers up a lot, especially nowadays. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know. I, I've sort of <laughs> be a long conversation to go down that rabbit hole. <laughs> <laughs> well, can you think of anything I, that's, I wouldn't, I wouldn't necessarily, I get what you're saying. I wouldn't frame it as a, I think there's some categories that do fall f closer into this notion of hive mind or like, you know, people are swayed by the general, they just fall in line with it, with with things because they're so 
easily kind of convinced uh, uh, based on comfort, based on norms, based on, uh, you know, how things are posed to make them feel more threatened or less threatened. And, and many, many people operate within those parameters of like, does this seem threatening or not? And they can be convinced easily. Right. Because of that, one way or the other, here's, they're just susceptible to suggestion. Here's you know? here's another example, though. Like I think what can be scary. I to to what extent is I mean maybe if we were disagreeing at all as far as like intuition, instinct. To what extent you know what is what at any given moment. I do think there is a reticence to trust what could be a good intuition a lot. You know, in our culture, there. We know that that's right. true. And so like scientifically we like that's been studied. <laughs> right. So that for sure. So I think that can explain an interesting thing where like okay, okay, like you you know we like we think it's so cool, you know, and it is so neat how a flock of birds or a group of fish you do see they move in a hive mind way. It feels like somehow they it do feels operate like it, it's, yeah. as one. They, they aren't thinking about it, right? Right, right. <laughs> and I think we see that uh, in humans, whether it's like uh, an improvisational, you know, jazz song or let's say like a, a play in baseball or something that just like goes mm. off really well. Everyone is just tuned in. You know, it's an example and we get excited because it is when just humans are plugging into what you could say an intuitive hive mind way of doing things. Or... <laughs> on the on the on the less positive side, you see these experiments or or trolling, if you will. Sometimes that's what all it is. Of like you know somebody walking up to you. All it takes is like two people to walk up to a closed door and stand in front of it, to <laughs> acting like they're waiting for something, yeah. and people will line up behind them without having any idea what's going on. They're just so we are really susceptible to just like going along with things because we don't want to be the one left out mm. right and that that's a really cool thing um consensus sort of plays this large role of like how how do you form consensus within groups and the power of the group consensus why i really like wikipedia it's cool it is like a group consensus encyclopedia yeah. yet but it can also, often be used right in a malevolent way like it's really interesting stuff uh maybe you can better than i can where my brain's at right now but can you tie this back to this film for us <laughs> and what worked about it for you <laughs> the hive mind yeah it's i think it's a cool it's a cool unnatural element to put into a monster let's say because as much as we think especially people who are born and raised in the u.s we we have this notion that individualism is is how we operate and that that's really paramount to things or at least we we maybe not have a notion but a lot of people have bought into that way of looking at you know their identity and so it's really scary to think, oh, my God, what if, what if I didn't have autonomy, right? And so when you see it, 
personified, like in this movie, it triggers a, an un, that same response of like, oh, I don't like that. Like, right. That's, that's unsettling. That's creepy. So that's, it's a genius way to to create a monster. I think that's a great way of looking at it. And I think, um, I mean, yeah, oh, yeah. Another way to to sum up what you're saying is, you know, we like that example of birds and fish I gave, and then us. Like the fact that we're so separate from nature that we think of them as this weird. Like we're just mm-hmm. animals too. Like who's, you know, it's just, we have this other stuff that gets in the way, but it's. Well, and we're, we're also so prone. We're so arrogant about how we think we fit into the natural order of things that we're somehow above moving as a, as a collective. Right. You know, because then we would just be quote, these are in air quotes, this word sheeple. We don't want to be the sheeple. (laughs) And it's like. I hate that word. I know, I do too. It's like, dude, just calm down. It, that's not what's going on, <laughs> right? Like, y- there are there are levers in in place that are being pulled by lots of different entities Here, I, that are driving these. Things. I don't like the. I mean, I just don't like how the word sounds, and I don't like um, the comparison to animals as a negative thing, and I don't like the yeah. sort of suggestion of. That there's like a puppet master and then the sh- quote unquote sheeple. But like, hey, though, there's something to the idea. Like in Metropolis, when it cuts between literal sheep and all the people marching in gray and yeah. out of the factory, I get the appeal at the same time. But here's the, comparison. the thing. The reason we have a problem with the notion, you have to take a step back to understand that the only reason sheep move in a herd the way they do is because humans put them in a cave, like in a pen and force them to be on like a like threatened space. And so they have to coalesce together for their own protection and move together in that particular example. Right. Like, so Tim, that's beautiful. It's not the pen. It's the sheep. I mean, no, sorry. Opposite. It's not the sheep. It's the pen. Yes. Yes. Exactly. Which then, right? like, I mean, that, I mean, just to, I don't know, now just to you go even further from this film in a way, <laughs> I think that's what's so important is separating when we're sort of diagnosing the ills of the world is to always look at it as the most underlying thing as possible as far as like our pen that we've built for ourselves and not the yeah. specific sheep in this comparison is, I will use it in this <laughs> instance, you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, the co- cool thing, I think, ultimately, since we, I feel like we, we've, we've moved away from the movie enough, the cool thing is that you watch this movie and this is the conversation that you have. Right? Like, that's a pretty big testament to the movie d- operating on a level that's worth while. So, good job, Village of the Damned. 1960. Wolf. Wolf Ria. Rilla? <laughs> <laughs> or even more credit to John Wyndham, the author of the 1957 novel. So yeah, I kind of want to read that, actually. It'd be cool. Um, so just a few a few last things. Just the movie itself that we didn't get to. Mm-hmm. Moments, aspects. I yes. <laughs> uh, thought it was really well how they um, portrayed the passage of time. 
where it just felt smooth and natural yeah. weather and we just kind of caught up with it well, whether it was three months later, three years later, it never felt like it got confusing or was going too right. fast or too slow. It was really cool how that was all handled. Really well done. Um, anything on that or can I keep going here? Keep going, okay. keep going. I have a few moments but I, uh, that I think were really I, cool. uh I thought it was really effective too was the their 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 development being sped up was only a slight like sped up it was just at that level where it was like for some reason it's not so crazy like everyone's freaking out but at the same time it's totally justifiable justifiable to be freaking out because it's like you know a 3 month dif- difference versus you know a, a zero you know whatever it is it was like just those numbers were slight enough Mm -hmm. just to kind of strike this interesting point of like this could feel like just an aberration but also not at all there's something clearly (laughs) unnerving about this it it really hit a a sweet spot in that balance i thought and then uh lastly what i had was just like man i was talking about just setting everything up well the first time we see on screen any of the children uh, or I was going to say children of the dam, any of the children of the village of the damned, or you could say <laughs> the damned. Um, it's this, we, we see, I guess, David as a toddler and just mm-hmm. the casting of that little kid with that mane of blonde hair, just they cast the kid with the perfect gaze. You could say like, I could say that for all the kids in this movie too. Great kid casting, but just something specifically about having a toddler just with the kind of gaze that they had and however they elicited the performance, if you want to even call it that when they're that young, uh, super affecting worked out great. Serendipity was on your side guys. Yeah. (laughs) Um, a few just moments that I really loved. I, I loved (laughs) I love that when he sends the the pilot, you know, there's a plane flying overhead. He's like, "Hey, okay, so you know, when you're when you get over the town, ease yourself down. But the second you start to feel anything weird, pull up." And it just like fails horribly. The guy crashes and dies, and it's just like it's just such a good moment of like, "Oh, we're we're in over our heads here," like, and they don't. I mean, the guy, he, he looks sad and, you know, <laughs> upset that he made that mistake. But it's sort of weirdly just brushed aside. Um, and then people start waking up, like, almost immediately after that. I'm like, oh, what a bummer. That pilot really got a raw deal. Yeah. Canary in you know, the coal if mine. He had just, yeah, if he had just waited, like, a couple more minutes, he probably would have been fine. Just a, a, a peg in the military, right? That's right. Um, I, <laughs> I also really love the scene when, when the wife has her flip out and I, I don't quite understand it. Do you remember this where she's like, sh- the, the, the kid. So David has like, wait, sorry, you're, you're still the- on what worked, right? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. No, I love this. So, so David rejects the milk, right? She heated up the milk. And she must have – she thinks that she overheated it and that's why he rejected it and then it like broke on the ground. But she's having a flip out, like a full-on flip out. She's like jamming her hand into the heated water that the milk was in. Like 
it makes no sense, but it's crazy. And like, I just, there's something so frantic and just over the top about it that I love. I mean, to the point where, not that I love this, but like, you know, to the era, the the husband comes in and literally has to slap her out of it. He's like, he does the whole like quintessential, like get a hold of yourself woman kind of thing. (laughs) And how the movie, it's just such a scene. Right. And it was pretty, it was so crazy to see where it was like the movie was just totally treating that slap as justified. It was very interesting <laughs> right. to see that uh, perspective play out. God. Um, yeah. But yep. you're right. As a memorable um, moment, see. certainly works. Yes, <laughs> in that sense. Yeah. My favorite moment I already mentioned is the, the shotgun moment. I mean, yeah. it's just so like. Oh, no. (laughs) Oh, no. (laughs) Something so satisfying, just like in the happening kind of way of just seeing someone lose control of their body and hold a gun at themselves. Like, just yeah, that's scary. And they go for it. Like, they do it. So I was, I would commend them for actually doing it. Um, But that's it. That's pretty much it for me. All right. Well, then, if that's pretty much it for you, that's pretty much it for me, which means we shall now move on to our next section, What Did Not Work. It's not ready yet. Seems to work okay. No, something important's missing. What did not work? (laughs) That sending the pilot in was honestly a worked and didn't work for me. Like... (laughs) Yeah, I get it. Because it was just so frustrating. Like, yeah, yeah. I mean, based on what you know, you think he's really going to have a second to be aware and pull back up safely. I was just, I was, they didn't start off on a strong foot, the military prowess. They just watched a dude walk over and immediately pass out. Like, what did they think the pilot was (laughs) like? What was going to happen to him? They're all surprised when it happens. Just like, (laughs) come on, guys. Oh, man. I mean, for me, like, I'm such a broken record lately, but the main characters, he's okay. He's not as, he's not a complete, like, asshole, so that's nice. He's an ascot hole. Yeah, that's right. But he's just so, whatever, stuffy old man with a young, beautiful wife. I'm like, I hate that trope. (laughs) uh, As far as the stuffy old man, I like that in the story of versus like something unknown, you know, anytime you sort of have a stoicism versus something unknowable, I enjoy that. Sure. Uh, sure. As far as him having the wife, I'm just like, whatever. I was actually like in the first 15 minutes before we kind of get into that, I'm like, oh, finally we're watching one of these movies that doesn't have to have an inserted romance to it, you know? And then, of course, yeah. but then it, it made sense for this one as far as just having a couple, being with a couple who may or may not be expecting a kid. Right, but but I guess they kind of, the story forces them actually to have her be younger. Because you you know the the premise being that only women who can have kids had kids, it's not a miracle baby, right? So she has to be at least of an age where she can still conceive a kid, and so I so it's a little bit locked in. But then just make him younger. Why does he have to be this old dork? <laughs> but she loves that old dork. It, he's it, he seems like her dad. That, that's. <laughs> 
That's the thing that I just don't like. I don't like that construct of like the old man being like and I just it's it feels weird. It feels cringy and and just nah. It's well, I mean, I I agree to the extent I think there's a certain there's a certain where the place people were coming from with that kind of thing at the time when putting it in movie form doesn't feel so good. But like, like I, I'm not, you know, it's like sh- she should be able to, you know, in an outside modern real world perspective, I'm like, well, sh- they should be able to do whatever they want, you know? So it's, it's the sort I, of the place but, and time in which it was yeah. made and the movie de- being a part a of that. It's a depiction thing. Yeah. You know, like they cast that guy first and they probably worked a- backwards from there. Yeah. And it's like. I just feel like he's miscast in a way. And at least acknowledge it within the story of the movie then, you know? They almost do. The, he he says one thing where he is like, yeah, you know, I kind of got married late and like, you know, I had kind of dis- – we just felt like – we had accepted that kids weren't going to be a part. Like I didn't plan for kids. You know, I'm, I'm kind of an old dude. Mm-hmm. Like he makes a comment about it very in passing, but at the know. same time, I got why they worked as a couple when it was like, I loved those lines where she put in those like scientific terms, how they were having the kids of like, what do you remember what she said? I <laughs> no. Do you remember the thing though, what I'm talking about? No, where she says something like a God, I don't, I don't, you know, you know, when it's like the, the words for the, that are purely the scientific way you call something, she says like a da has blah, blah, blah with a blah, blah, blah. And he like looks at her, you know, goes, <laughs> oh, and he knows exactly what that means that she's pregnant. It was just, oh, it was like, right. she, she put in that moment. Yeah, 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 yeah. She, <laughs> She she put yes. the the like what you would yeah. say getting pregnant as like super dorky only scientists yeah, could understand it terms yeah like a plants made yeah like exactly. yeah she's like when a when a you know an orchid germinates or some, no, but something no it, it's like the 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 orchidus reticuli I, I don't you know something that's the, that's right that's right yeah and he, <laughs> I thought that was cute yeah I think that they that they're um. I think his casting kept me from feeling well they kind of they kind of double protagonist the movie and I think that hurt the movie for me like having her brother and and her husband being these sort of the two lead men but they don't really interact all that much it really could just be the brother and since it's an, it's an immaculate conception story anyways you know right or it could be one or the other whatever yeah it just didn't feel it it felt like it could have been more cohesive somehow i'm not exactly sure how but just maybe just a better actor in the lead role well not to jump too far ahead to things of note but i know the uh the director co-screenwriter was like okay this was the script was given to me in a you know written from just the united states screenwriter and i didn't get to do my own pass so he's allowed like one two-day pass to kind of uh britishize it a bit and then he said even then it still felt like it needed more work but they had to go into production for whatever studio reasons so be it well did you have anything else that 
did not work for you? Not really. Um, everything else just felt kind of fine. Uh, <laughs> Great. Like no- nothing stood out to me. I wasn't like, oh God. Like I said at the beginning, like I never was like, ugh, this movie, like how long is it? Like when is it going to be? Like I never had any of those feelings. It just kind of got on the ride. And when it was over, I got off and was like, okay, cool. <laughs> Great. The ride, Ryan, come on. I got off the ride. What? (laughs) (laughs) Don't worry about it. (laughs) Don't even worry about it. Um, All right. (laughs) We'll move on then. I won't even worry. Uh, To things of note. Things of note! (laughs) This should be interesting. I loved every time they said midwitch, like hearing British people with that specific <laughs> British accent say midwitch. There's an incident in midwitch. Uh, it was so yeah. good. It was like the drinking game for this drink. Every time they say midwitch would make me right. so happy. Right. <laughs> it's the perfect sounding little British town. Midwitch. Yep. Uh, it kept making me think of Dunwich, the Dunwich yeah. horror. The midwitch hole. Uh, I had a hypothetical for you since I think what was so cool about, you know, the, the, if you want to call them aliens, whatever they are, they're, they're non corporeal entities is <laughs> what they are. <laughs> yeah. If we're allowed to interpret what their grand scheme was, what do you think the purpose was of making everyone, even the men pass out in the town? God, see, I don't know. What could it be? Like, what could it be? Maybe, um, maybe the actual, like, entities, the aliens that came down are, like, really big and scary and weird looking. And just can't be seen. Like, they can't, like, people would just lose their, their minds. And so they needed everybody to be unconscious so they could infiltrate, impregnate, and then get out of there. Right. Just this idea. So no, like as if whatever they were doing could be noticeable on some level mm-hmm. by our, how we how we perceive and view. Oh, or although we know that um, it's not like it's a big beam from out of, outer space because – planes can fly over it so it's like a dome around the area um so yeah i don't know it's interesting maybe it's just a protect sort of a protective thing it's like hey let's let's shut everything down in this space right here so that we can do our thing and leave and here's another question. Were they those those floating entities at the end? Well, are they? I think that's a good question. Right. <laughs> if you, I guess you know what I'm going to ask. If they were truly born at the, uh, from the inception or conception, or was there some sort of, are they attached to some sort of mother hive mind figure that was the one that cast this uh, bubble and spell? Well, they don't seem to care that the extended brood around the world were killed. 
it's, and so it's that, almost as like it's kind of expectant, like all the, the turtles getting to the ocean. Exactly, exactly. So it almost, to me, feels more likely that they, this is just the, the, eggs, the eggs get dropped and, and they're on their own. Yeah. So then that, that insinuates the eggs got dro- dropped by something. And it, That's they right. aren't they aren't the what was birthed themselves going from place to place. Right, right. But, you know, hmm. There's a lot of different ways you could look at this. You know, hmm, hmm. I don't know. I was just thinking about like like plants. To use the, the the same kind of analogy, I guess, sort of, that she was using when they're talking about the plants. It's like the, the pollen. What if the aliens were the bees? And this is the byproduct of the pollen being dropped from one. You know, humans are the <laughs> – this is so random <laughs> – do you get what I'm saying? Yeah, I'm thinking how invasion of the body snatchers, the aliens are the pollen. And then... Right, but I'm saying in this case, the aliens could be the bees. And they're just <laughs> and they're just taking some pollen, which is would effectively be, I guess, another alien. But it has... The pollen has to work with humans. Like, it has to be able to grow into a human child. It's just a modified human child. Right. So I don't know. I mean, God, and it's we can, interesting we how it's, it's conscious enough to are the towns random. Uh, it's conscious enough to pick humans, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Like, the, again, mm-hmm. it, it does suggest some kind of unknown intent. Uh, and I just think that's an overall cool, like, what brings up that theme we kept, you know, staying on of how much of a It also are implies they. that it's just little, like, it's alien sperm. Yeah, I mean, it exactly. has to be, right? Wait, but it, it's it's not just, not even just sperm from alien, but like alien no. sperm. Where That's it's, what I mean. Yeah. <laughs> That's specifically what I mean. Like it's one little sperm that is an alien that... Or no, something that I mean, functions you, it, as sperm, but is maybe alien. The, like it doesn't have to right, be physical. Right, yeah. right. Maybe, the, maybe the, the brood part of it, this sort of hive part of it, is that the the adult that sent out these sperm is what connects those, each one that turns into a kid is from the same adult. Right. Well, I like, um, we do have, you know, we didn't talk about in too much detail the scene we mentioned of the round table discussion. That's always so, uh, so, you know, such a pinnacle moment or fun always, uh, (laughs) always here in these films, but like they do talk about the possibilities. And one of them says a powerful transference of energy. Like it's, Oh, that's right. The whole energy. Yeah. Thing, like yeah. the idea it is, it's beyond a literal like sperm of any kind, you know, working with the women, but a sheer, a, a push of energy and some, some, somehow that something. And then that, melded oh, or coalesced right. with our physical world and yeah, the for rules all of we childbirth. Know, it could be an already um what's it called? Like uh when a sperm and an egg do their thing, that could be what was put into the women. Yeah. 
So that so that makes it more parasitic, right? It makes it more like or symbiotic in that it it's its own thing that needed a host to grow within. That's pretty scary. I think it what it suggests by It's very alien esque. Right. What well I guess I don't the know. Movie, I, I think mean. it's more I think what it suggests in the idea of bringing up energy is it suggests that it's sort of beyond those kinds of rules or boundaries of like something it's it's something not that we can't really pun intended conceive of that's uh <laughs> so literal you know as our rules of how childbirth work anyway right but they do give birth they do faster yeah did you you know i kept thinking that there are some ties to ridley scott's sort of outlook on the the whole alien franchise and i think maybe maybe i'm reaching but i don't know David being David. David is 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 the name of Michael Fassbender in Prometheus and Alien Covenant. Yeah, and he has that like Aryan thing going on. Very like he feel like I saw this kid and I was like, oh man, that's so similar to the David from Prometheus. No offense to all the wonderful Davids in my life, but that name, I wonder if it does have a certain like it construes a default in a way or or as well as Maybe. sort of like not biblical but like in alien covenant or whatever those movies are it kind of does but there's something almost kind of safe and i don't david david i don't know it the name does conjure something <laughs> i don't know what i'm trying to say yeah yeah i don't know i wonder if if you know ridley scott was you know this was a, a movie he liked i mean i and that's i think that's why i just put it as I did, where, you know, it could just be like, yeah, there's just something to the name David that just mm-hmm. they both happened mm-hmm. upon or felt right for their respective stories. Yeah. Uh, this was a citation needed tidbit from Wikipedia, but nonetheless, I thought it was so fun. <laughs> the blonde wigs that the children wore were padded to give the impression that they had abnormally large heads. That's funny. Yeah. And the last thing I had was, uh, we already mentioned there's a sequel. Oh, that we already mentioned there's a remake, but there's also a sequel from yeah. 1964. Uh, children of the Dam. That's why I was saying that. The premise is a uh, smaller group of six children, each one from a different nation. Although their powers are similar, the theme and tone are nearly opposite of you know the one that we just watched with the children. Uh, kind of like in line with maybe... What you're interested in, Tim, the children in the sequel being portrayed as sympathetic characters. It pushes Mm, that angle. And then, of course, the remake we mentioned was directed by John Carpenter, released in 1995 by Universal, moved to contemporary time period. It just says it was not well received by critics. But thing of note (laughs) for that one, it was shot up in uh, the area where I'm from, just sort of like the Mm. Northern California, Greater Bay Area. Cool. Yep. And uh, maybe, you know, I'm always trying to see the John Carpenter I haven't seen or haven't seen for a long time. So I'll probably get to it. Why not? Yeah, I think I'll I'll come around to it. It's got Christopher Reeve in it. It's, you don't see that very often. It's true. It was his last movie, uh, big movie before his accident. Rest in mm. peace. Um, great. Well, do you have anything else for things of note? No, I mean, the other things I kind of read on the Wikipedia were a little too, like, whatever. <laughs> okay. Down the rabbit hole. Cool. Well, you know, that's my favorite place to go, Tim, but maybe not right now. 
for whatever. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, great. Well, in that case, we'll wrap up Children of the Damned. Sorry, I'm looking at that up on my on the Wikipedia Stop still. It, Ryan. Village, Stop it. Village of the Damned from 1960. Tim, do you have anything you'd like to recommend Dead for me and our audience? I do. I was going to recommend Dead a movie, but I decided because of our conversation and our conversation revolving largely around this idea of like instinct and intuition and things like that, that if you all haven't read a book called Blink by Malcolm Gladwell, it's so fascinating and I hope I haven't recommended it before. Because you it's, haven't. It's it's okay, good. It's possible. Because I talk about it sometimes. It's so cool and interesting to sort of he die, you know delves into this th- exact thing we're talking about the part of your brain that has a, a, a initial um, response to anything, and then how we as people and society as societies have often trained ourselves out of listening to that part of our brain but in reality through a lot of his research finding that that part of the brain tends to be a bit more accurate to certain things like your first impression of a person right like we often disregard our initial impression for the sake of politeness or any other number of things. Um, and so he, yeah, the whole book is exploring that in different ways from different, uh, you know, research and, and you know, uh, experimental scientists. And it's cool. It's very interesting. Blink, referring to the, the blink, the initial blink moment of any uh, interaction. Cool. Great. Uh, I was... You know, looking at my letterbox, still haven't watched enough recently. I've kind of like gone through a lot, so I'm just going to go further back here. I remembered something I wanted to recommend. Dead, I'll get to as just as a group. I hope I, I didn't do this. I I, I I shouted out. I think another like uh, one of the the Sean Connery James Bond movies. I think it was Goldfinger. I really enjoyed, but uh, I just want to give a shout out. Recommend Dead as a whole the Daniel Craig Bond movies because I, I rewatched them all in order relatively recently. And, you know, just kind of uh, my, my mem- you know, I don't know, like there's always, there's always so much pressure on like on them and new Bond movies, I feel like. And rightfully so, I think Casino Royale and Skyfall are, you know, singled out. Like these are, these are the really, really good ones. I agree there are, great. Part of what makes them great in a lot of people's eyes is they deviate a bit from the formula, let's say. Yeah. I love when a James Bond movie just does the formula through and through. <laughs> yeah. So I yeah. equally loved Quantum of Solace and Spectre and can't wait for the new one. Uh, so just, just, just it's, so because of that, I think they are as good, actually. And it, but it's also because like watching them all back to back since they're out now, it's rare among the Bond movies to have actual continuity. These all function mm-hmm. almost like you are yeah. watching a Bond miniseries or something. It's the continuity Absolutely. between them all. Yeah. So I I love 
continuity that exists in well, you know, ongoing and the series. new one as well it continues on yeah no time to die uh so as a whole and hey can't include no time to die yet but as a whole more, more as a shout out to the lesser uh looked at ones i think they're all great they all find a, I, I tuned into too how they like it's trickier and trickier you know how to how to do contemporary blonde bond movie you gotta it's you know, especially coming off of the 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 kitschiness of the Brosnan era, you know, re- reverting <laughs> yeah. back to that, which I do not hold against that. I do like that in James Bond movies and like the Roger Moore Bond movies because of that. Sure, yeah. But it also has to be grounded enough, yet not so grounded that we can't buy the idea of like super villains and make those fit into the real world. I don't know. I just think in revisiting them all, they're super well done. Shout out to them as a whole. That's cool. I feel like, unfortunately, Timothy Dalton got he he happened to get two not so great Bond scripts, but he I think he's a very very good Bond. It would have been nice to see him in a better script. In my working through all the Bond movies, I've only done the second one of his so far, so mm-hmm. I got to watch the first one anyway. Yeah, man, Spectre and Quantum movies. of Solace were cool. Like they ugh, they're all cool. I I. I didn't love Spectre because I got distracted by how much of that movie is paying homage to all of the Bond movies. And it felt like the greatest hits instead of its own movie. That's That was my takeaway. I, I do think I only watched it the one time. So maybe I'll revisit it. As per your recommendation, <laughs> hey, Ryan. with the new one coming out, everyone, it's a great excuse. Might as well, right? To, yeah, just catch up in the continuities there and the Craig ones. Great. <laughs> yeah. Well, Tim, I believe it's your turn to pull from our hat, illustrious hat. I think you're right. Oh, I'm so hungry right now, Ryan. I'm Me gonna too. Go eat something. I'm going to eat some pupusas I picked up. I'm very excited. Wow. I don't know what you just said, but sounds delicious. <laughs> Here we go. We're going to watch this one. It is The Tenant from 1976. We're on a roll, old movies. Great, The Tenant. Have you seen this? No clue. It's, I mean, no, I don't think I've seen it's it. It's a Roman Polanski no film. Oh, oh. Yeah. I don't think I've seen it, though. I don't. I think I've only seen, like, Knife in the Water and... What's the one that he did with the woman who's going crazy? Right. I feel like this is the one that we're, when hearing the name of it, I'd confuse it with the Sentinel. So I don't know if I've actually (laughs) seen this. Um, Well, great. We will next week. Cool, dude. Uh, And for those listening, you can find us wherever you found us. Our big ask is if you enjoyed being here, which I assume you will if you made it this far. I'll hope. hope. (laughs) Why not? Tell a like-minded friend who may be in need of some horror movie friends and some dismembering. Oh, well, I, yeah, I have one other thing. I, I'll put this on our uh, Instagram. <laughs> there is a 25-second movie that my dad and his colleagues made. So my dad's a research or was a research psychologist. And, he, you know, with uh, like uh, in, infant development and, and like adolescent development or whatever, little kids. Anyway, there's this 25-second video from my childhood starring me with 
so the village of the damned haircut and blondness that I will I will grab a screenshot from and put on our Instagram. But look out for that because it is hilarious. Great Tim of the damned. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> great, great, great. Well, and mentioning you, Tim, I will just say list our credits with me has been Tim Aslan. I am Ryan McDuffie. Our mixer master is Brendan Welch. And in closing, well, whether you're however afraid you are of that hive mind or not, we thank you for being here. Yes, and we will see you next time. Goodbye. Goodbye. <laughs>